Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. Have I ever mentioned that we have a Patreon account? No? Well, Patreon is the best way to support your favourite creators and artists and help them to keep doing what they're doing. We, at Hawk and Cleaver, have a Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash Hawk and Cleaver. There you can pledge from as little as a dollar a month. That's less than the price of a chocolate bar. Well, about the same price as a Kit Kat Junkie, uh, depending on exchange rates at any given moment. But for approximately the price of a Kit Kat Junkie, you can help us not only keep the show running and help us to pay our writers and our narrators and our editors and artists, but you'll also get access to monthly exclusive episodes and get your name in our books and other cool stuff. So if you're a fan of the other stories and you're thinking about buying a Kit Kat Junkie, don't. Save yourself the calories and become a patron instead. Don't do it for us. Do it for your health. Today's episode is The Beautiful Princess, written by David J. Thirteen and narrated by Josh Curran. Every evening I meet my love in the market square, where the bone pipes play and the fires burn. She waits by the moss-covered fountain that towers above the stalls and tents. Water has trickled down from its heights for longer than memory, feeding the thick plates of growth which soften and obscure the shapes and contours of the ancient sculpture. The mottled shades of lush green mirror my love's hair, and whenever the column comes into view, my feet begin to hurry with the anticipation of her embrace. Her tresses weren't always so comely. 
They used to be dark and drab, until she began buying dyes from a witch with a table near the fishmonger, who sells her perfumes. With these compounds and oils, she attempts to attain a glimmer of our princess's mystique. Even though the princess never descends to the market, the heralds and bards spread the legend of her beauty across every corner. Most only know her by these songs and tales, or, if they have seen her, it has been at a great distance while the fair and radiant lady takes the air. Her private balcony projects like a ship's prow from the palace. It is here people may catch glimpses of her while she tours her garden of wonders. Lemon trees and topiary divide the space into intimate areas filled with jasmine, dahlias and roses. Songbirds play in the branches, filling them with majestic colours and delightful music. These birds that flitter so close to the clouds never come to the market, where all we see are the plucked pigeons the fowler sells, and the fierce crows who try to steal the food from our hands. I have witnessed the marvels of the garden myself, the princess included. No place is more tranquil, and no one more desirable. None is her equal. Not among the highborn in the palace, and certainly not among the rest of us. Men have gone mad at the sight of her, howling in ecstasy and clawing at their eyes until blood bathes their cheeks like tears of joy. This occurs often enough to be a disruption, and fewer people are being granted access to the palace every day. They would ban all of us, but the Emperor's court still needs servants. And for now, I'm granted the blessing of gazing upon the divine visage of Diane. A scarce few of us have the fortune of serving the princess. The only people more esteemed are the oblations, who bathe in honeyed water and stay pure from the moment of birth. I may not have their white smocks and sightless eyes, but heads turn to look my way when I walk through the market. My station is clear to all by the cleanliness of my clothes and by the aura of pride my position bestows. Were my love to leave, I would have no trouble attracting another. But that worry is without reason. My love is ever warm to me. She is not fickle or cruel. Her moods do not rise and fall with the tides as they do with the highborn. She will stand by me, whatever I have done. I did not always serve the princess. For years I was a valet to lesser lords, and before that, I lit the lamps in the Hall of the Fallen. Lining the corridor on the way to the lower court are the twenty-one kings of old, eleven on the left, ten on the right. Their bodies are hard and pale, like alabaster. It is said that when the Emperor arose from the sea, the kings had the insolence to confront him. Using eon-old magics, he transformed them into living lanterns as punishment. 
seven winters old, and they trusted me with the delicate task of tending to them. In those early years, I needed a stool to reach the king's heads and top the oil up. Using a long silver spout, I poured it into their ears, always careful to wipe away any spillage with a rag. For though the oil was rendered from the fat of the most pious of oblations, and left only the slightest sheen, these fallen kings had to be kept in a state of purity, superior to any they knew in their former lives. For those of you who have never petitioned the lesser lords, you do not know the glorious display of the kings lit up. Their heads become aglow, their faces alive with ever-shifting pinks and yellows, and flames spit from their mouths and eyes. It is such a breathtaking sight, many petitioners forget their complaints by the time they reach the tribunal. On the stairs that I take down to the market, just before the first switchback turn, the lamps can be seen shimmering through the hall's tall, arched windows. Although it takes a trained eye to pick them out as they blend in with all the other lights coming from the spires and domes, the bridges and buttresses, the alluvial folds of the central keep, and the fortified spires jutting from the base of the palace in long, thorny points. From my spot on the long stairs, the features of the great structure begin to blur together. Down in the market, it can trick the eye into seeing the palace as a single unified form, as though it were one of the gods themselves looking down upon us. This is what my love sees as she waits for me. Every day when I find her, she is perched on the rim of the fount's pool, turned to catch the rays of sunlight to obtain its most favourable effect. The final glow of day, hued a mucus yellow from the ever-present gauze of smoke, will highlight the sharp greens in her hair and brighten the pallor of her skin. Her pose is no less calculated than the care she puts into the rest of her appearance. Like most young women, she bathes in corpse water and applies the oil of herring on her neck in hopes of replicating the princess's natural musk she colours her hair, and recently has begun to stitch wispy gossamer worms to her chin. When we kiss, the nibbling of these creatures tickles my neck playfully. I do not have the heart to tell her the princess's lush beard can devour the flesh of a pig's head in less time than it takes to recite the first litany in the Song of Servitude. Garment, the footman, told me this and I have tested it, mouthing the words while she dines. They come fast to my lips, each one etched on my soul since my youngest of years. But no matter how quick the recitation, I have never reached the end before she was done, and nothing was left but bare bone. Do not misunderstand. No fairer maiden exists than my love. Were she to leave me, I would weep with far greater intensity than this weak rain dampening my cloak with its thick, oily drops. I would 
ache to never again feel the heat from her hand in mine, or to walk with her past the butchery pits to the fens, where hidden places can be found for a kiss or two. I am warm to my love, and her attempts to emulate the princess please me, but my eyes know the difference between the shadow and the form, and I bask in the sight of Diane's form each day. Due to chance or merit, I've been placed in her retinue. It has not been without trouble. Any leap in status will cause jealousy with others in the palace. Someone who has tended to no one but minor gods should not climb so high, they say. Who is he to be granted the grace of the princess? In truth, I cannot explain what transpired to place me near the embodiment of all that is beautiful. How did my name reach the exalted levels which make these decisions? What virtue of mine was so exceptional to warrant notice? I have no answer. But who am I? And who are my detractors to question the perfection of the divine? Every decision they make is free of fault, and any we see is but a comment on our lowly stature. But when Diane's former attendant died, and I was called forth, it was a good thing. And all that has happened afterward must be good as well. I have to remember this. Whatever strikes me as strange or wrong is not evil, since no evil exists in the palace of the gods. My love does not see it the same. For all of her adoration of the princess, she complains I am ill-used and has urged me to leave the palace. As if I could. As if I would. It is impossible to ignore the possibility this plea of hers stems from envy. Were she in my position, would she not stay in the presence of the princess, whatever the cost? Or does she fear what may happen if I become accustomed to true beauty, that my time in the palace will make her appear to be an ever more starved and scrawny imitation of Diane? But perhaps it is genuine concern. Sometimes when we meet, she pales from the sight of me. At first I judged this to be more jealousy, a manifestation of her hurt at seeing how Diane had been affectionate with me. But the way she rushed to tend my wounds made clear other motives were at work. She took me in her arms and dabbed the blood on my face with the hem of her skirt. Then, with great care, she stitched up my mangled ear with the same sewing kit she uses to attach her worms. The day Diane's attitude toward me changed began as all days do, with her morning grooming. The delicate skin flaps which cover her torso in a tantalizing pattern of scales were heavier and stiffer than normal. The roughness of these folds chafed my palms while I lifted them to dab balm on the sores and to pluck out the crab-like creatures thriving in the warm darkness. Instead of tolerating the procedure with remote disdain and staring fixedly at her garden, she rested on her couch and sighed with each new manipulation. 
A cluster of piercing green eyes flickered toward where I knelt, as though sneaking glances. But the princess isn't one to sneak. She possesses the boldness of her kind, and never seemed hesitant about anything before. Someone unfamiliar with it might believe this cleansing routine is an intimate act. Were I to tell tales at the alehouse, the chattel drivers and the gug harvesters would offer up their coarse laughs and innuendos. Putrid words would drip from their mouths about what they would do should they ever lay hands on such delectable flesh. But my duties are sacred. Whenever a stirring threatens to distract, I cast my mind elsewhere and envision the pyre at the centre of the market where the reek of burning meat fills the square, and the screams of the men and women cast onto the flames have the same shrill clamour as the bells at the temple of Iban. The memory never fails to sour my stomach and chill my loins. In this way, no forbidden emotion enters my mind or body. At least, none did before Diane suggested these thoughts might be welcomed. Once her morning ablution was completed, I served the wine and fed her a snack of small cats. She said I was doing a pleasing job and gently caressed my cheek with the dainty webbing of her hand. Then, to my amazement and delight, she kissed me. Something had to be amiss for the chaste Diane to act with such a lowly creature. I tried to reassure myself it would only occur the one time. She must be light-headed from a digestive disorder, and her ardour will pass along with her discomfort, I said. But it has not stopped. Lovely Diane's fondness for me has swelled. She often bestows kisses on me. Small pecks to be sure, but enough to show her feelings. Betraying my love gave me no joy, but what was I to do? I cherish my place with the princess. Besides, who down in the market wouldn't be tempted? Although my guilt deepened each time my love treated the wounds left by my princess's advances. Yet, she still waits for me. Will she continue after tonight, I wonder? Things have progressed with Diane beyond fleeting kisses. Nothing can conceal it now. The extent of my sin is plain to see. Garmand has cauterized my flesh at the elbow to stop the bleeding, but my arm is gone. Leaving the long stairs and entering the market, my cloak is wrapped tightly around me, but the cloth won't be enough to hide the damage. And when my love tries to help, she'll spot the tatters of my shirt and the gashes of passion running up and down my ribs. But my love is warmer than Diane, and she will stay with me, or so I hope. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. The Beautiful Princess was written by David J. Thirteen, narrated by Josh Curran, 
edited by Carl Hughes and muted by Chris Zabriskie and Sam Robson, and sound effects provided by zapsplat.com. You can find out more about David's work and where to connect with him on his website at www.davidj13.com. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, not even at the beginning of uh, this episode. I mean, did you know that we have a Patreon account? You you didn't? Okay, well, Patreon is the best way to support your favourite creators and artists to help them keep doing what they're doing. You can pledge from as little as a dollar a month. That's about the price of a Kit Kat Chunky, depending on exchange rates at any given moment. Uh, you can place from this or month over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. Um, if you're a fan of your stories and you are you want us to keep doing what we're doing and you're thinking about purchasing a big Kit Kat Chunky chocolate bar, don't stop what you're doing. Don't do that. Save yourself the calories and become a patron instead. Please, please, don't do it for us. No. This isn't for us. This is do for your health. Okay, put the put the put the dollar back in your pocket, back in your bank account, and go to www.patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver and pledge from as little as a dollar a month. Until next time. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project. There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.